If you find yourself getting queasy at the thought of pulled teeth, bloody entrails, or demons crawling straight up from hellfire just to set up shop in your basement, then this podcast might not be for you. However, if these things excite rather than appall you, join us as we discuss our grim outlook. Holla back. We back. What? <laughs> How's it going, Ashley? It's, you know, going. Yeah? What'd you do today? Painted my dining room. What color? Green. Ah, green. After I painted it yesterday white, so it was supposed to be green. I just feel bad because all my plants keep dying, so all my greenery <laughs> is brown. <laughs> Had to replace. So I'm like, ah, I'll just paint the walls green. It's little, close enough. little inspiration. Yeah. A little inspiration yep. for the plants. What did you do today? What did I do today? I went to my mom's house. We have a fridge in her garage that somehow turned off for some reason and then turned back on. That's so fun. everything melted and then everything refroze. So it was basically a huge block of ice. <laughs> so I cleared out the fridge for her and I chipped away at the ice with a hammer. Yeah, and then I drove back, cracked open a Guinness. As passionate as I am about this topic, I do get nervous, so I needed a little liquid courage. <laughs> <laughs> it's nerve-wracking. I know, I've listened to you talk about it yes. a couple times. I get very emotional. Mm-hmm. I get very into it and I get very, very like... And then I can't sleep. Yeah, yeah, that's how passionate I am. Yes. I just really instill the fear. Yeah, the fear is there. In everybody. I hope you're ready for some questions as I talk about this. I'm gonna have so many questions. There's literally nothing I love more than answering these questions because I have put so much time and money into researching this stuff for a funsies. Yeah, um, like I buy books, I buy documentaries, you know. Like what do you do? Paper class. Everything but. And if they offered a class on it, I would take it. Maybe they do. I bet they do. But at the same time, I'm also afraid because I'm like, if I take that class, am I welcoming these things into my life? That's a fair point. Anyways, that's a good segue into what we're talking about today. Uh, Today, I'm going to be going over the steps in a demon possession. Uh, And then Ashley, what have you prepared for us today? I have a very small story about a man who was possessed by a demon. Wonderful. I'm gonna try and keep this under three hours. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I did want to do a disclaimer to all possibly two listeners, Ashley and myself included in that number. (laughs) I will not be naming specific demons today. I don't like saying their names. They freak me out. If you say their name, it is said that it can draw them to you. So not doing that. For anybody who does feel like they may be possessed by a demon, definitely consult your doctor therapist, church, or a combination of all three. And the last disclaimer is that I am very aware that mental illness and demonic possession, although they can kind of look like each other, there are some ways where they are different. So I definitely don't want to make light of either situation, Um, but uh, I'm going to kind of talk about what makes these traits of a demonic possession more of a actual demonic supernatural possession versus mental illness. Right, because most of them they say is schizophrenics. Exactly, yeah. A lot of it is like auditory and visual quote-unquote hallucinations um, in a real demonic possession, and I'm gonna say why that's not true. Okay. For some of them. All right. In my Molly Mulligan way. Perfect. Okay. You know I'm in a weird spot where I kind of believe and I kind of don't, so like convince me. Will do. I'll do my best. All right. (laughs) No promises. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. None. (laughs) I don't feel pressured at all. Okay, there are three stages in a demonic possession. The first one is infestation. The second one is oppression, uh, aka what the church calls the diabolical harassment or vexation stage. And then the final one is the actual possession itself. Fun. So, (laughs) 
there are steps to it. Infestation, that is when the demon is basically seeking permission or explicit approval from the person to attach itself to an object or that person by means of things like flies manifesting suddenly in a room, black cats appearing, other animals appearing in the house that may disappear if you're staring at them for too long, and then taking it down a notch, knocking, whispering, lights flickering, faucets turning on, literally anything you might, you have a face. I'd much rather have the black cat appear than like (laughs) anything else of those right because then i just get a friend i don't know because the black cat if they're Mm -hmm. manifesting an object or animal in that case as like a black cat or flies that's an enormous amount of power they literally conjure all right fine fine they can just just stay away from me all together that's fine let's see crosses turned upside down um that's a biggie However, if you do see in your homes that rosaries are being moved on their own or crosses are being touched upside down, that is a really bad sign that there is a very, very powerful demon in the house because a lot of the lower level ones, um, they don't have, they, they just don't have enough energy to be able to do that at the very beginning of a possession. So if you see that happening, I just want to urge people, see a doctor, and then just skip the therapist and just go right to church, okay? <laughs> get your Bibles out, get your kids, get your significant others, them, they, he, she, whoever it is, get them to church, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot pressure you enough. <laughs> you know, you're also going to hear laughing, things might be knocked over, items might be stolen, and then they might appear randomly. Animals might go crazy at things that you don't see there. This is when you're going to see poltergeist activity, so things stacking up, drawers being opened. Really, any sort of like physical movement in the house that doesn't have to do with you being scratched or bitten or whatever, this is kind of the infestation phase. What can bring this on originally, though, can always be stemmed back to either use of tarot cards, Ouija boards, uh, perhaps on that area um, or in that home, there used to be satanic rituals taking place. So anything that can kind of like open that gateway um, or that door into this kind of like demonic realm that is going to allow them to slip into the home and then they're gonna start looking for this person or object to attach to. So that's why you don't mask with Ouija boards. Exactly. So (laughs) I always like to explain Ouija boards to people as like literally picture the Ouija board is your door, your front door on a house. You have this nice little house, you got this nice little white picket fence, everything's fine. You got an apple pie cooling on the windowsill, got a golden retriever in the backyard, you got your husband mowing the lawn. Okay, you guys leave. Wow. (laughs) You go to the store and you leave your front door wide open. That's the Ouija board itself. So while it's possible that your neighbor will come over, maybe you have a good relationship with them, it's possible they're gonna come over, shut the door for you. Uh, It's also very likely that before that happens, you're gonna have people coming in and investigating your home, people you don't want there. You might get robbers, you might get unruly teenagers, um, and occasionally you might get a really sadistic fuck who's gonna hide in your closet and wait for you to come home and murder you. So the Ouija board itself is you leaving that front door open and literally just hoping that a neighbor comes over and just kindly shuts it. Fun. Yeah. (laughs) So. It's not what I want. Yeah. Um, I actually was looking up some stats from the Vatican and they are reporting that they have seen demonic possession numbers triple in the past 10 years because of how many people are using tarot cards, fortune right, tellers who are opening that popular door. again. Exactly, yeah. So this kind of like rise in popularity has officially just 
risen hell. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> so, other quick question. Yes. Whenever we talk about demon possession, it always seems to come back to the Catholic Church. Yeah. Is it just Catholic Church? or No, is it just- um, the Catholic Church is, from my understanding, one of the biggest churches that, as a whole recognizes demonic possession as an actual thing. I'll just read a quote. Father, I can't say this right, Father Benigno Palia, an exorcist from Sicily, he is from the Vatican, he said that demonic possession claims have tripled in recent years and attributed to the rise in demonic activity, yada yada yada. He also said that many alleged possessions are actually psychological issues, highlighting the need for well-trained and discerning exorcists, which the Vatican offers training classes for priests to be trained in the art okay. of the exorcism. So that makes sense why you would just go to them. Actually have priests that have completed apprenticeships, like long-term commitments to learning the art of exorcism, so that they're not messing it up when they do it. So infestation, that stage, it does not have a specific time frame. It can really go on for however long the demon finds the item, place, or people hospitable. And by hospitable, I do mean people who are not demanding it leave, people who are not contacting someone for blessing the home, people who are recognizing it and kind of feeding it energy with fear and with noting it's there versus someone who may create a unhospitable house would be a person that literally just ignores it, does not give it any energy, does not fear it, pretends that it's just their brain. So you pretend you're fine and it'll go away? Yeah, because you're not feeding it any energy, so it's... Oh, great. I'm so good at ignoring my problems. Yeah, no, it's literally you're creating an environment that is just not suitable to its needs, basically. Cool. Yeah, so that's a good way to nip it in the bud. Pretend it's not happening. Of course, if you get, like, one of those more powerful demons who can invest a little more time and energy into, like, shadow figures or slamming the door when you're awake, you know, you're going to get afraid and that might take a little longer, but definitely just kind of hold your own. And they cannot enter your body and they cannot enter a home without you giving them permission to do so. I wanted to talk a little bit about this permission to do so though, because I think a lot of people get tricked. I'm gonna ramble a lot during this. No, go for it, because I'm very curious about how I would get tricked because I will. Yeah. (laughs) Demons go to any means necessary to trick a person into thinking that they are not a demon and that they should allow them into the home. Classic example, Annabelle doll. Basically, they got this doll from a garage sale, and it was a Raggedy Ann doll. It was Mm -hmm. like one of those three feet tall giant things. After purchasing it, the three people who now had it in their possession decided to play with a Ouija board. So while talking to the Ouija board, they had come in contact with a little girl who died on the property, who was lonely. She was only, you know, whatever age she said she was. She had a fake name. She had a fake persona. She was scared and she just really liked them. Uh, The two women were nurses, so they kind of had this maternal instinct towards it, which a demon will prey on if you're a maternal person. I'm not. We're good. Right. So it kind of used that and basically said, I just really love you guys. I want to stay with you forever. Is it okay if I play with that doll over there? Pause. Now it did not say, can I inhabit that doll? think about it from a demon's point of view. They didn't say how it should play with the doll. Right. They didn't say how they shouldn't play with the doll. It's like a genie, kind of. Yeah. So, (laughs) he decided to play with the doll by attaching itself to it. Uh, And once that happened, that is when the infestation period began. They started seeing things move. The animal doll itself would move. It would cross its legs. It would uncross its leg. It would jump from room to room when they weren't there. It would go all over the house. They would wake up and it'd be in their room. And yeah, so that that's pretty much how they'll, tr- they'll do anything. I mean, 
They'll pretend to be relatives of yours. If they're strong enough, they'll pretend to be Jesus Christ. Okay, but like if Jesus just presented itself to me and been like, hey, can I come in? I'd be like, no, that's weird. This doesn't sound right. See, and that's why you're not possessed. Yeah, so they will do whatever they need to. Like a salty ex. Also, side note, um, knocking on walls is a big one of them. Knocking on doors, windows. They do it in threes a lot of the time. A mockery of the Holy Trinity. Ah, that makes sense. There have been many times where I've heard strange knocking in the walls, but as soon as it's not- As long as it's not three knocks, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I blame everything on one. I have too many goddamn animals. Oh yeah, fun fact about animals. Dogs, if they are in the presence of evil forces or negative energies, a lot of the times they're going to be the animal that growls, barks, hackles, raves. They're going to want to vacate the premise from whatever is bringing in this bad mojo. Cats, on the other hand, are you ready for this? You're not ready for this. Cats get excited. Cats love it. Why? Because they're cats. I'm not sure of the exact science behind it, but it's been noted in several personal accounts and from psychics and mediums, cats in homes that are infested with demons, they get very excited. They kind of ride that high. They start zooming around the house. If they start like just acting like crazy, like they're on catnip, but there's no catnip. Interesting. Yeah. So I should be concerned every time Siri is nice to me, I guess. Potentially. <gasps> Those are all my notes on infestation. Any last minute questions on infestation? I don't think so. Okay. Oppression or what the church sometimes refers to as diabolical harassment or vexation. Diabolical harassment. I can think of a few people that fall under that. <laughs> Go on. Right? <laughs> so this is the second stage in a demonic possession. And this is when the demon is looking to break a person's psychological well-being down to a vulnerable point with the hopes of crushing their will to live. I wrote in my notes, this is basically when the demon is in what some might call rage mode. They are trying to trap you. They are trying to wear you out like wolves who chase deer. They're mm -hmm. just going to exhaust them to the point where it's easy for them to pounce. This is when they will start to do physical attacks biting, scratching, hair pulling, pushing, night terrors, nightmares. All of this is kind of what occurs in that second stage. I don't know if I believe in night terrors just being a thing. I always feel like there's a demon behind it. Okay. Prove me wrong. I I don't know, man. Tell me I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've had night terrors. Yeah. But I also get really bad sleep paralysis. That too, sleep paralysis is one of the signs. My sleep paralysis demon and I are just homies at this point. You be careful with that because that is a great example. I don't understand what he's saying. He's speaking in Latin. Latin? I think so. It sounds Latin. <laughs> I'm freaking you out. <laughs> like Latin is a very common language for demons to speak at people. Right. Because it's like the language of Jesus Christ. Right. It's extra spoopy. Right. The <laughs> you literally just described what I had spoken about in infestation of them waiting for explicit permission by calling him your homie. I don't say it to him. That could be mis- you just said it out loud. I haven't sleep paralysis. Actually, since you moved in, I think he took my demon. Right now, you say out loud, you do not give anything permission to be in your life that is negative. That is negative. Only positive, beneficial energies are allowed in your home and space and around the people you love. Say it. Ditto. <laughs> What Molly said. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, so, like, what side note attack this? What do you mean I've taken your demon? I don't know. I haven't had sleep paralysis since you moved in. That's funny. We're not homies. He just, uh, he doesn't scare me anymore. Good. <laughs> you don't have dinners together? For how long have you been, um, kind of not afraid of this thing? 
I don't know. A while. Okay. Like a while. Like before like, I moved in? Yeah. Like well yeah. before that. Yeah. Like years. I've had it since I was a kid. Hmm. And eventually I just realized, hey, this is the same thing every time and I wake up and I'm fine. So thanks for taking them though. Sorry. <laughs> You're welcome, I guess. Thanks. Not sure what I did. Okay, so infestation, this is the stage where activity has gotten to a point where it is making it physically uncomfortable for the person to be in the home. And there's scratches, bites, you know, all that stuff is kind of just making the person's life hell. Right. And by the time they typically get someone to actually come in, you will visibly see that they're beaten down by what's going on. Mm -hmm. Because they're trapped in this space where a lot of the times their faith has been just this non-existent point. They're constantly paranoid. They're constantly in fear. They're not sleeping well, so that's eating at them. They're depressed a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. um, there was actually this man who, there was an entity that started out as Knox Whispers, whatever, shadows in the hallway, and it started entering his dreams. And it entered his dreams as this woman in a white dress who claimed to be a wife or lover from a past life. She would always urge him to like, come down to the river, come down to the river. You have to come with me to the river. We always used to go to the river. He explained these dreams as like very vivid. Like it was hard to separate them from reality until mm -hmm. he woke up. But he would go with this woman uh, wherever she asked. And basically the woman would spend the whole dream from then on trying to convince him to kill himself. And then if he protested in the dream, sometimes she would scratch him, sometimes whatever, he'd wake up and there would actually be scratches in that area. So at this point in the game, if you're having night terrors and something is coming at you or sleep paralysis and something is scratching you, you'll be waking up and you may actually have those physical marks from that. Hmm. Especially three claw marks. That's a big one. Again, three, mocking the Holy Trinity. Right. Bruises, welts. I remember waking up as a kid and I'd have scratches on my back and they'd be like, I don't understand how you could touch that, but I can touch all of me. Yeah, so I guess in your case, you're just really bendy. Ashley oh, has EDS. Yes, I have a connective <laughs> tissue disorder. So like most of the scratches are probably myself. Potentially, yeah. Eh, who knows? Um, for us normal folk, uh, it, yeah, if you wake up with like scratches and bruises or you wake up from a dream and an old lady attacks you and you have a bruise in the place she grabbed you in the shape of a hand, now you're physically harmed. There's a lot of illness that goes along with it. People will start getting sick at this stage in the game. They'll never feel good. They won't be themselves. They might be exhausted all the time. Well, yeah, if you're not sleeping. Yeah. You're gonna get sick. Exactly. Pretty much all of the signs of clinical depression or other mental health disorders or illnesses. So you're gonna call the paranormal investigators in. They're gonna come in. They're gonna do some EVPs, electronic voice phenomena. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. One thing that I think is important for people to grasp is that while you do have these lower level demons who are kind of the grunts, the poltergeists, they're kind of the flimsy little dumb knockers who just kind of walk around doing crazy shit because they want to freak you out. While you've got those, you also have the upper tiers who are the more intelligent beings. And they're the ones who actually put manipulation, timing, and I don't know if I'd say thought, but they actually have a process to mm -hmm. their possession. You've also got those ones. Chances are, if you're having a pretty bad oppression, it's an intelligent thing. So when you bring in paranormal investigators, it's not necessarily gonna wanna show up for them. Right. It's gonna kinda know, hey, maybe should lay low because they might try to exercise me from the house if I show up on this voice phenomenon. However, they're also very cocky, arrogant beings. So to a point, the lower level ones, they're probably gonna cause some mischief for people. 
Maybe you get a couple EVPs, you get a couple knocks, you get a couple jump out scares while the investigators are there. The higher up ones are going to lay more low. They're only going to come out if instigated or if challenged, if you bring up Jesus Christ, if you start doing those kind of classic like demon poking things, mm -hmm. that's when they're going to come out. Which you shouldn't do also because it angers them. So towards the final moments of the stage, your mind is going to be in a state of total vulnerability, which is exactly where they want you because the end goal of the demon possession is to get you to end your own life. That's the goal. Okay, but why? For the energy, thoughts are for your soul. Okay, okay, okay. Um, it's the greatest sin, suicide. So if we're acting on the thought that these are creatures inherently against God mm -hmm. and light, then they're gonna do exactly what light doesn't want. Okay. Interesting. Uh, okay, so the final stage, possession. The big one. The big one. Well, this is the final and the most dangerous stage. This is when the person is seriously at risk of losing their soul, of losing their life. Shit, some may say, hits the actual fan. The fan was on in the second step. They were flipping the switch in the first, but now they're throwing shit at it. <laughs> what a great picture. I also do want to say that in late stages of oppression, beginning stages of possession, some things that demons can kind of conjure out of thin air, marbles, coins, fecal matter, unidentified organic material. Like the That's right. <laughs> so they, yeah, they can conjure a bunch of shit. So <laughs> literally. In some paranormal investigation tapes, you'll see that coins get thrown at people, marbles, rocks. Um, in some cases of severe possession, They've actually taken some of the organic material that appears or is thrown at people, some of the rocks they find, and they brought them to a lab. They haven't been able to identify what kind of organic material some of it is. Some comes back positive as fecal matter. The rocks oftentimes come back as obsidian. They're powerful. In possession, like manipulation and harm is at an all-time high. In some of the worst cases, the demon may even have control of the body, which is where you're gonna see phenomena like voice changes, people having voices that could not possibly produce by them, speaking in tongues or Latin or languages they may not have been exposed to. People will demonstrate supernatural strength. They will be able to contort in ways that should not be possible for the average human. Ashley, <laughs> you may be able to just do it. Um, Maybe I'm just a demon. That would be terrifying. <laughs> you tricked me. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. During the possession or during the exorcism itself, um, bodies have been said to contort. Um, they will bloat as a deceased body will, and they will yeah. kind of, yeah, their whole body will just engorge um, at the stage, have ripped their own nails off. They'll Ugh. peel skin away just in just massive pieces, seemingly without feeling pain. That's the other mm -hmm. thing is that these people will do it in these blind just possessions mm -hmm. and will have seizures, will rip at things, rip at their own eyes. Some people have ripped their own eyes to shreds. Oof. No, not what I want. Yeah, they'll throw items that they shouldn't be able to lift. So like maybe an example is like a 10 year old girl lifting an armoire. They'll growl and snarl very animalistically. It'll sound like a predator. Mm -hmm. They'll have never been able to make this noise before. They'll know the names and histories of priests that may come to perform the exorcism and they'll mm -hmm. thro start throwing their past sins against them. That's a big one. I read that in a couple stories that I was looking at. Yep. Yeah, they'll know about the priests. They'll be able to recite biblical knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the times they'll start spewing 
the names of who they are. They'll start pretending to be someone else. Let's see. And yeah, they'll basically be able to just do things that are completely supernatural. Fun. Some may say. Some may say. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So those are basically the three stages. I didn't want to get too much into the actual exorcism part of things because I know that there are a lot of like specific bible verses you read and that the process requires a lot of people because when you have a priest there if it's bad enough for the Vatican to send a priest out do a full evaluation psychologically medically and just kind of overall and they decide it is a demonic possession like at that point it just gets super in-depth and mm -hmm. they move pretty quick when priests come out to kind of decide if it is a possession or not, they, they do look at like everything. They do try to rule out all medical issues first. They do mm -hmm. rule out psychological. So if this is something that needs to be treated with medications or by a doctor, mm -hmm. like they're not closed off to the idea that it could be just some sort of mental illness at first. So right. they're gonna rule that out and they're gonna need physical proof to bring back to the church to actually get permission to go forward with an mm -hmm. exorcism. Like it's not taken lightly. A lot of the times when they go back to the church, they have to have recordings of voices. They have to have video. Like, they have to have physical proof. Like right. a crime to go forward with any sort of an... Like, this is... It blows my mind that these are happening so often because they have to take back proof to the church. Mm -hmm. So there's so much proof out there that this stuff is happening. It's just insane. <laughs> They're real. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I could just talk about demons all day. Scare me, but... Not as much anymore. So, Very happy to this is the first court case in the United States where the defense sought to prove innocence based on the defendant's claim of demonic possession. Mm -hmm. He said that this denied any personal responsibility. So the story starts out in the 1980s. You got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> starts in the 1980s with an 11-year-old boy in Connecticut named David Glatzel. The Glatzel family had recently purchased a rental home and brought their son along to clean it up. <laughs> That stinks. I hate cleaning. Me too. <laughs> that's a lot of house to clean yeah. for an 11-year-old. And he comes downstairs, tells his mother that he saw an old man who appeared, warned him that harm would fall on them if they moved in, and then pushed him away. So the old man pushed him, or he pushed the old man? The old man pushed him. Oh. Yes. So, straight infestation, basically. I guess it so. It just went right yeah. from the get-go. The sure. house was already, yeah. Yep. Dang. So the parents originally thought that he was just trying to get out of cleaning, yeah. not wanting to move, you know, yada, yada, yada. Right. But his sister in an interview later on went to say that he was not a kid who dealt with anything scary. He did not like that. He didn't play tricks. He, It's not something that he would do. Normally he would just help them clean. He was a good boy. Yeah, he was a good boy. I don't quite understand, though, why it would tell him to leave. I don't either. the point is possession. Oh, maybe it's more of like a territory thing. It could be. Interesting. I always like to think of demons as like a predator, like an animal, you know? If you give it space, respect it enough to not fuck with it, you're probably you're not going to come fine. into contact, but as soon as you start poking said sleeping bear, right. it's going to Of course. They moved in, obviously, because they purchased the house. Yeah, you know? they're trapped. Yeah. They're they trapped in a mortgage. Purchasing a house is the worst thing ever, and I don't know about you, but if I went, hey, I think there's demons here, could I just, could I just take that back? They'd be like, no, you owe us lots of money. 
Thanks. So David kept having visions of the old man, and sometimes in the daytime he'd be the old man, but at night he'd be more of a demonic beast. And he stated that it was a man with big black eyes, thin face, with animal features, and jagged teeth, pointed ears, hooves, and horns. About the black eyes, I've actually read that one of the ways you can differentiate a human spirit that may be haunting a house and a demon is that demons, for whatever reason, they cannot recreate the eyes. So you're going to see these black gaping holes in place of where the eyes are. Eyes are the window to the soul, which if you want to go that route, they don't have souls. So makes kind of sense. If you see something in your house with big black holes where its eyes should be, probably get a rosary. Yeah. A demonic beast would mutter in Latin yeah. and threaten to steal his soul. Oh, yep, there it is. Uh, you know, classic demons. Classic. So David went on to gain 60 pounds, which is a lot for an 11-year-old kid. Straight into oppression. It's yeah. affecting you physically yeah. and mentally. He never slept. Yep. Because he, he had night terrors. He'd have really peculiar behaviors and would wake up with odd scratches and bruises. Yep. So he's not doing great. No, he's not having a good time. His mother stated that she wants to watch him being choked by invisible hands and oh, had red marks on no. his neck after. He started to growl and hiss and speak in tongues, and he would also recite passages from the Bible or Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost? What is that? The Fall of Eden. Oh. In a big poem version. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but no 11-year-old in their right mind is going to know it. No. That's how old he was, right? Yeah, he was 11. Yeah, no, he... At least not enough to recite it. <laughs> Can you imagine if I, just, if I just, like, walked over to your house and started growling and hissing? <laughs> yeah. I'd probably, like, whack you on the nose with a rolled-up newspaper. And... I said it, and then I was like... That's not even, that's not actually that strange for me. It's not. Oh, so the family started taking turns sitting up with him at night as he convulsed and spasmed. Everything got so much worse after the family decided to call in a Catholic priest and have the home blessed. Ah. Which was unsuccessful. Uh Aha. So. So that angered it enough to just go straight to possession. Yeah. He was just mad. It didn't work. Yeah. Um, really quick, do you know if they took him to a doctor for the convulsions? Eventually. So mom's sister were like, oh, maybe this is a demon. His father and brother seemed to be more no. <laughs> so his father took him to a doctor. They're just like standard physician. And he said that he was perfectly normal. There's no deficits except for maybe a slight learning disability. But yeah, the family doctor basically was just like, there's no reason for him to be having these convulsions or for him to have gained so much weight, for him to be having these night terrors, these scratches, this bruising. Like, there was nothing. Yeah, they couldn't find. Yeah, there was nothing. I don't think his father was super thrilled with the idea. I mean, he eventually allowed them to seek out outside help. Right. Which is where the Catholic priest comes in and whatnot. And the family themselves started to hear these strange sounds coming from the attic as well. They didn't see anything or, like, nothing moved in the house or anything, but they would hear, like, these knocks and bangs and stuff from the attic. Which I'm sure most people, like I, would go, oh, it's squirrels or a cat or something, you know? But yep. And then I... Then you would freak out. I would just jump to the worst possible conclusion, and then suddenly you'd find me sleeping on the floor of your bedroom, scared <laughs> out of my mind. <laughs> reciting a prayer. So don't be freaked out if that happens. That's fine. You know, just knock or send me a just quick text. Knock. Like A quick text. <laughs> just be like, hey, freaked out. Let me sleep on your floor and I'll be like, all right. Just leave the door unlocked. <laughs> I'll be in. Great. So the family brings in the big guns and hires a pair of demonologists, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Aha. The Warrens Aha. that everybody knows if you've ever watched any demon movie ever. Indeed. Like The Conjuring. Yep. I just watched a video about an interview with their daughter, Judy. They actually didn't tell her what they did. 
Like, they kept her completely, like, separated from it, which I think is really good of them, because... That is really good of them, because I'd be so freaked out. Imagine growing up where you know demons are real, and you know your parents are constantly, like, in their presence. Yeah. I'd be so terrified that they're going to bring one home. Which they kind of do, right? They do. They do. Haunted items back to their home, which we just found out is in Connecticut, including the Annabelle doll, which they claimed on multiple occasions was their most haunted item. So much so that... How do you sleep in your house with that there? You bless it every month with a priest. I mean, they were very deep in the Catholic Church. Like, they were so they very felt, religious. They felt good about it. All right. Yeah, they, they were like God's best people, Jesus's best friends. So Jesus and them were homies. Okay. Homies, for sure. But yeah, they used to tell Judy, um, don't go near the doll, don't open the case, don't touch the case, don't make eye contact with the doll, do not give it any recognition. Um, and this is the doll that to this day, it'll switch positions in the case on its own. I wonder if she ever did though, because... She said she never did. She said she just got this weird feeling from it from the get-go, so mm-hmm. she didn't want to go near it. Honestly, like if they told me... Well, that's you. Something, leave it alone... I would have 100 I probably would have taken that out of the case. I'm such a curious person, and if somebody tells me not to do something, I instantly want to do it. I feel like I'm too scared and I'm too sensitive to be able to go to their home and even, like, look at the doll without mm-hmm. something happening. But who knows? Like, I mean, people have claimed that it either makes people immediately obsessed with it or you're immediately wigged out and don't want to go near it. Mm-hmm. So who knows? I feel like either could have happened with you. Interesting. So Lorraine came in and she stated that she saw a black mist near David, which was a sure sign that he had been possessed. Lorraine, yeah, she's a medium. They're interesting to me because she is such a powerful medium. So like to them, that was just a God's gift that was given to her. So she had visual, like she had visions. Mm -hmm. She had auditory stuff. She could see ghosts. She could see the future. She was like clairvoyant, clairaudient, like the whole shebang that was Lorraine. And her husband, Ed, he was more of, like, the demonologist. Like, they both had a knowledge, but he was the one who studied it. Okay. And he was the renowned one in the USA where she just kind of was, like, the medium who... She just recently died, so R.I.P. Lorraine. Yeah. Hope she made it to the other world and didn't get snatched. <laughs> so did they leave... Like, what did they actually do for these people? Like The they, warrants? Yeah. So they came in and they eventually had David exercised three times. He had three lesser exorcisms. Which are, I guess, just not with higher up right. Catholic oh, right, priest right, right. type of thing. Right. If it takes three lesser exorcisms. Maybe just pop it up. Yeah, and you're not seeing anything. Right. Uh, he started levitating, which, Jeez. you know, was the big one, the big ticket. Stopped breathing on occasion and was able to tell the future. Ugh. During these clairvoyant moments, he mentioned stabbing and murder many times. Like, that was a recurrent theme. Very dark. Yes. Ed stated towards the end, that we know there are 43 demons in the boy. We demanded names and David gave us 43. Later on, at the end of these three exorcisms, one demon seemed to flee the body. And then they just kind of like called it good. But his mother went on to say that he was still suffering fits. So at the time, David's sister, Debbie, and her fiance, I think his name is Arn. It could be Arnie. I'm not sure the way it's spelled there. Went by Cheyenne. And his last name is Johnson, and in every case, you're going to see him just called Johnson, so that's what I'm just going to call him. Okay. So, apparently, he was attempting to help in these exorcisms as they weren't working originally, and he started taunting the demon, daring it to take possession of him. <laughs> Later on, he's outside, and he looks down this old well on the property, one that the Warrens had suggested housed one of the demons. And he looks down, and he states that he made eye contact with a demon. 
So he, he actually threw it a bone, said, let's skip the first date. Let's yes. go right to the second. Yep. Let's let's get personal. Mm-hmm. I dare you. And then it was like, if you dare me. And then yeah. he went to the well that they probably explicitly said not to look in. And he was like, right. let's give it a whirl. Let's see what happens. Oh, my gosh. At the same time of this happening, Debbie, which is David's sister, said, hey, we're getting married. Let's move out. Let's rent our own place. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, trying like, so hard to pull away. Yeah, she's trying to just, you know, she's she's going to be a newlywed soon. Like, yeah. she doesn't need her little brother's demon in her life. No, honestly. You know, like. I hate to say it, but she's got a point. <laughs> she does. So her and Johnson move into this apartment, which is adjacent from this grooming facility. Like a dog grooming? A dog grooming facility, sorry. We work in animal care, so, like, we just assume. Yeah. <laughs> I assume everything is animal related. I do. You, you say, like, an e-room and I go oh an e-clinic then I'm like nope nope emergency room for humans <laughs> for humans. <laughs> humans have problems too they do weird <laughs> so adjacent to this dog grooming facility and she gets a job there actually so that'll come into play not not so much the dog grooming but where she works okay the person who owns the dog grooming is also her landlord so it's her boss and landlord Debbie states in the interview later on that Johnson just started turning completely unlike himself so he had been a pretty normal and, like, good kid. Like, no issues with the law. He played baseball. He sang in the church choir. He was really nice to his mom. Like, he bought his mom a new car so she wouldn't have to walk to work. Oh. He saved up his paper route money to buy her an $80 jalopy. Oh. Yeah. Like, he was a good kid. What is, this is in the 80s? Yeah, 1980s. I want to see what $80 back then was. Oh, it's like $250. Wow. I mean, so, like... He was a kid in high school, saving yeah. up for his mom to not Colonel have to work. Leader. Yeah. yeah. Like, what a good kid, right? And this is um, Debbie's fiance? Yes. Oh, and oh, I want to put my connection in here. Uh-huh. So let's say that one did get tossed mm-hmm. out or willingly left. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like, I'm over this. Like, you're going to keep exercising him till one of us leaves. Yeah, he's still having convulsions. So uh-huh. maybe like, how many did you say there were? How many demons? 43. So he's still got 42 demons. And then this one just jumped right into the next one. Yeah. So the one that fled, I think they're insinuating, is the one that possessed. I Johnson. would assume. Yeah. Can't catch a break. No. <laughs> I feel like it is just like that with some families, though. Yeah. Well, once yeah. one brings them in. Yeah. And it can be as simple as just moving into a house. That's true. <laughs> Man. So Debbie was very aware of what to look out for because her brother had just been possessed. So I'm going to guess that Debbie noticed that Johnson started acting very just similar like David. to how David Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes, he did. Oh my gosh, that poor woman. She was probably just like, ugh. I know. Yeah, honestly, she moved away just so she wouldn't have to deal with it. And I hope she called the wedding off. I'm kidding. I don't hope that. He you needs know, her now more than ever. You know, I don't know. I wouldn't blame her if she did. I wouldn't I wouldn't blame her if she did either. It also would fall into these translate states and hallucinate, but then he'd have absolutely no recollection of them later on. Weird. Debbie worked as a dog groomer for their landlord, mm-hmm. Alan Bono. On February 6th, 1981, Johnson called off work, said he was sick, and went to visit her at work, and he brought along his sister and Debbie's young cousin. Alan, the boss slash landlord, took them to all to lunch at a local bar where he drank heavily before returning to work. Past dog groomer and me is screaming. Yeah, so, so basically... Johnson went to visit his wife at work, and right. the owner of the business, who was also a dog groomer, decided to take them all out for lunch. Yep. And then he got, got drunk. drunk. He got and drunk. And then went back to grooming dogs, a.k.a. scissors near toe beans. 
I hope he wasn't actually grooming. Yeah. And that he was just, like, doing the books or something. I don't know. Alan is super drunk, and he's just kind of agitated and aggressive. Uh And for some reason, he grabs uh, Debbie's cousin, who's nine, and just refuses to let her go. I don't know if it was a joke or what was going on. But, like, tensions just rose. It got really weird. Wait, Johnson grabbed Debbie's cousin? No. Bono. The the boss. Oh. Grabbed a nine-year-old little girl and That's just refused to let her go, which is creepy. creepy. So Johnson argued with him that he needed to let her go, and he did. And yeah. she ran away to the car. And so it ends up just being Alan Bono, the boss, Johnson, and Debbie. Debbie sees this look come over him, and she tries to get in the way, and he, he pushes her out of the way. And he starts growling and hissing, and he draws this five-inch pocket knife from his pocket, and he stabs Bono repeatedly. He ended up suffering four or five large wounds, one stretching from the base of his heart to his stomach. And he ended up dying hours later in the hospital. So Johnson fled and was found two miles away from the crime scene and brought to the correctional facility. Days later... I... Go on. I'm not yet convinced that this was the act of a possession that killed Bono, given the situation. Given the situation, I don't think so either, because... I think that everything else is weird and fits the description of a possession. Right. I'm all on board for that, but... Right, but it just seems that there was a reason for him to act out. It wasn't like he killed Debbie for no reason, or he killed himself, or he went after a stranger, or even Alan when he was just a normal person. He was was a drunk asshole who was messing with a nine-year-old girl. Like, I I too might get angry. Yeah, if somebody grabbed my nine-year-old niece, like an older man. Would I stab him five times? Probably not. I don't know, but... But then at the same time, could the demon have used this already frazzled state that he was in where he was uncomfortable and agitated and angry Mm -hmm. and just went yeah let's see what happens it definitely could have i mean i can't say no because that's something so days later he's in the correctional facility and lorraine warren informs police that he was possessed by a demon at the time of the crime i don't like her meddling i she does this a lot I don't and I think meddling. that's why a lot of people disagree. So she doesn't get paid to go in and like exercise or see if there's demons or anything. Like you don't Man, pay I wish her I got for paid this. to get exercised. Oh god, me too. <laughs> I'd be at Planet Fitness 7 days a week. Yes, yes I would. But she does get paid for lectures and books and movies. So, yep. you know, all the things. So even David's brother ends up saying later on that he thinks she's just meddling with his family at this point because she ends up selling, she sells books, there's a movie, the (sighs) book ends up being re-released after they had given some of the money to the family. It ends up getting re-released without necessarily their permission and they sued them. Yeah. So there's a lot of, I don't. And think of the books she could write just by saying, I did an investigation with a family and the son-in-law of that family got possessed by the same demon and killed somebody. Right. Like, think of There the, was a lot of know? publicity. Yeah. Which, this case became pretty big because the whole thing was, he pled not guilty because demon possession. Dang it. I wish I was there for that conversation with his lawyer. So here's the thing. The lawyer took it and ran with it. He was super into it. Uh, He went to England to confer with some lawyers who handled two possession defenses. They never went to trial. 
they were thrown out in court, but there were two of them in England that said this is the cause. Another one in Europe, he was going to fly out to an exorcism specialist to talk. He ended up stating, I'm going to show that this guy isn't insane and that it's not a delusion. The courts have dealt with the existence of God and now they'll be asked to deal with the existence of the demonic spirit. That feels like a personal vendetta against the court though. Yeah. So he was super into it. He was like, nah, this guy was possessed. And I can't find anywhere where it says if he's still having any demonic presence, you know? Yeah. I mean, did, so, he, did he get convicted? He did. So the judge obviously was like, nah. Yeah. That's that's not a reason. Um, He argued that it would be irrelevant and unscientific to allow related testimony. The defense ended up switching it to not guilty due to self-defense. The jury just didn't agree with that, and after three days they convicted him on first-degree manslaughter. Yeah, I feel like he would have had a better shot with self-defense from the get-go, honestly, or defending right. his knees. Right. I think it was just a shit lawyer because I don't think they had a lot of money. Probably not. So he, uh, yeah, yeah, he got 10 to 20 years in prison, but he only served five. Okay. So yeah, later on, after all these things happen, David's whole family is just not super into it. They just kind of want to be left alone because the Warrens are doing interviews and basically would talk to anybody who would listen about, you know, Johnson's demon and David's demon and how they could help and made a movie and they sold books and to watch somebody profit off of it yeah it just yeah it leaves a bad taste yeah no it does and i get it like you're doing a thing that you don't get paid for and you need to make your money somewhere but that's what's getting me is that it feels like the warrens are they're business people yeah i wish they would just go all right you want us to come talk to you about your demon possession right. blah blah our fee is this like yeah like counseling be, or like it'd be one thing but it seems a little you're stretching it on and on yeah and i'm sure i'm sure David still having issues like the family doesn't want to be reminded of this and then if it did come out to be a health thing i don't know i just feel like i wholeheartedly believe in demons and demon possession mm-hmm. but i also believe in people who Scam the system. take advantage, yeah, yeah, and scam the system. And I feel like it would be a lot more believable if they didn't draw so much attention to That's themselves. everything. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that just feels... You could look at it two ways. Like, one, they're trying to get the word out and they're trying to inform mm-hmm. people. Because I do think that, like, the most powerful thing you can have is knowledge. Right. Of course. But, like, but, with anything. But it seems excessive in the Warren's case. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's sad. Well, dang. But yeah. demons, they're... It's an interesting topic. And terrifying. Yeah, I had And fun. I would just like to mention that my computer turned off twice and also didn't record while trying to do this. Yeah, so, and it also, um, she plugged it in when she first got here and somehow the, the plug to the wall got unplugged from the box. Weird. Weird stuff did happen. Thanks yeah. for joining us for episode number two. Yeah. So, thanks for listening, guys. I'm Molly. I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> I'm Ashley. And this was... A grim outlook. A grim outlook. Indeed. Cue outgoing music. Music was created by Joseph McDade. He makes some awesome music for creators, and you can go find him at josephmcdade.com. 